This is Coffee, Books, and True Crime. Hey everyone. Hey guys. This is Nicole. And this is Amanda. And we are Coffee Books and True Crime. We're trying a new setup today, so you guys will have to let us know if our audio quality is any better. We're trying really hard to do that for you guys. Trying to move away from the Skype situation, especially now with everything that's going on. Everybody's on the internet. Everyone is on Skype, so we're trying to up our audio game. And it keeps crashing on my end, and it's really annoying. Yeah. <laughs> but today, we are going to talk about Cropsy. But first off, let's talk about Tiger King. <laughs> With everything going on and Tiger King happening, like I feel like it cannot be not talked about. It's like Netflix went, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Let's throw out the craziest, most white trash thing we can right now that's going okay. to glue people to their televisions. Now, Nicole, I know you've you've already watched all of it. I've only watched the first one. And I, right now, from the first episode, am Team Joe. Like, <laughs> I love him so much. Like, I feel like, like, like I shouldn't be Tim, Team Joe, but am no carol definitely killed her husband definitely fed him to a tiger granted i've seen a lot of people say (laughs) (laughs) i've seen a lot of people say that they also fake he faked his own death and that's why they knew about like the disappearance thing in the will yeah up until just now i had no idea her husband died (laughs) (laughs) you have to like binge it like me and cj sat down last night and he's like so what do you want to watch tonight because I unfortunately am not allowed to leave my home. And I was like, I've heard really good things about this true crime documentary. And it's not even, I mean, it is a true crime documentary, but it's not your typical true crime documentary. (laughs) I don't even know what you would categorize this as besides just freaking nuts. But yeah, I, um, I had saw the memes. So I saw his pretty sweet mullet and his awesome shiny like tiger disco shirt and i was like (laughs) yeah he he rocks it and his two husbands are actually straight what like he's girl you're telling me the documentary i haven't watched it (laughs) (laughs) oh i've only seen episode one (laughs) he has two husbands that wind up being pretty straight oh he 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 confused them (laughs) yes like joe had asked the the second one He's like, so how straight are you? And the guy was like, pretty straight. And he's like, well, when you watch porn, what do you enjoy most? The little ones or the big ones? He's like, well, the big ones. He's like, then you're not very straight. <laughs> oh, my gosh. He straight up manipulated him into being gay. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, his music videos. He Killer. made a music video about that carol baskin murdering her husband and feeding him to the tiger like you have to see it it is Nicole, so stop <laughs> spoiling it, <laughs> you've got to stop telling me what it's happened. great like i really just want to play it right now for you it's so good it's a it's a very very interesting documentary i mean this is a and it makes me want a liger so bad <laughs> 
Like, they are so cute. And all I can think about is Napoleon Dynamite. Oh, my But gosh. it is not. They are they are very cute. Carol would slap you in the face. <laughs> yes. Yeah, she would. But you know what? Okay, I like I said, I'm only one episode in, but, like, I made Aaron watch it with me. <laughs> I bet he loved that. <laughs> she, yeah, he was like, what? <laughs> but... Carol is literally just stealing people's tigers and putting them in her crappy rescue and calling it a rescue. Now, like I said, I've not seen the rest. I've only seen episode one. But I'm like, you're stealing tigers and putting them in your crappy cages. Like, you're not getting even getting in there with them. Like, ugh. Like, she's a tiger thief. <laughs> and then calling it rescue. I'm like, so far, I'm like, Carol sucks. I do not. Not a fan. Well, no, and the crazy thing is, is I, after I saw the, like, Big Cat Rescue, Big Cat Rescue, I got on my Facebook, I've been following them for years. Because <laughs> I love that kind of stuff. Like, any documentary that comes up about, like, cats and, like, tigers and lions and stuff, I watch it. Like, I love that kind of stuff. I've followed that page for years. I was like, oh my gosh, this whore. <laughs> like, I'm getting... Didn't know you were such an avid, um... <laughs> tiger fan <laughs> no no i'm not like i'm not up there with joe exotic it's not like that it's not like that not kind like of a thing but i like them they're cute you know that's why jasmine's my favorite princess because of her tiger <laughs> aaron and i watch body cam like all the time oh okay yes yes i'm like it was it's not live pd it's body cam and i always tell him i'm like i'm telling you what the craziest ones they're gonna come out of ohio in almost every episode, there's been something out of Ohio. I'm like, I'm telling you, <laughs> we're all here. The crazies are here in Ohio. <laughs> yeah, he, oh, that's just nuts. And then there's other people that they wind up showing that has, like, this big, like, cult stop. of wives. <laughs> You've got to stop. Stop. <laughs> I'm not trying to spoil it. It's just really good. <laughs> We're going to need to put a spoiler alert at the beginning of this one. I on Have you watched the Gabriel Fernandez stuff? I haven't been no, able I, to get through the first episode. Really? No, I haven't even I haven't started it. I saw pictures. I saw the picture of him where they made him stand in the pool and yeah. I I read I I know the story. Yeah. I know the story. I know some of the abuse that they did to him and I know the outcome but I have not watched the documentary as a social worker I don't I don't think I could mentally handle it yeah I mean I mm. and you love you like you love <laughs> but it's just kids and I just don't see how I when you told me you were gonna watch it I'm like I don't know how she's gonna watch that like it's one of those things that I want to I want to watch it it's fascinating but I, I, I can't. <laughs> yep. It looks awesome. That's just one that I can't do. Now, I don't know what their, what their sentence they ended up getting happened to be. I know mm. about the social workers involved in that case and what happened to them. Nothing. But. Right. right. Which, I mean, normally I don't. I'm And I see, that's the thing is I know the system is flooded. Like, and I know the system is, like, literally insane right now. And I know like all of us are being crushed like just with the amount of cases and the in the work but his case sounds just unacceptable i don't see how they have had police at that house 
caseworkers at that house and you haven't noticed anything? He's he know. definitely slipped through the cracks. And like I would never like I would not want a judge to charge me for anything as a social worker, but also I'm a very ethical social worker, so I'm not one that would know that that was going on or know that police were out there and be okay with not doing anything about it. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. So that's very it, it just can't see how that could slip that badly. That's pretty bad. That's that's, that's a big, big slip. slip. That's an avalanche. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And well, if I well, remember hearing right, there was evidence that they knew that things weren't weren't right. Uh, yeah. Uh, if I remember, if I remember right, like some of the articles that I had read, like they knew. <sighs> well, now that we're talking about all that and getting, you know, me all down, um, Cropsy, a.k.a. And- Andre Rand, actually is a... Um, Andre Rand is a murderer, pedophile, rapist, all of that. So we're just going to keep going on this whole black cloud right now. Yeah, I don't know how we could start at Tiger King and then end up here. I, I don't either, but Tiger King is hilarious and you must watch it. <laughs> Before we talk about Andre Rand, I know there's a documentary called Cropsy, and I know I've actually watched it, and I watched it several years ago, so I don't really remember a lot from it. So I'm glad that yeah, we're Yeah, of- I don't either. I remember, I remember watching it, and I've also watched... Um, I've also watched a documentary about Willowbrook itself. That is where, like, Cropsy took the kids or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And also, that I think that the beginning of American Horror Story Asylum is to Cropsy. They don't actually ever mention it, but that's what the whole case seems like. It feels like that. Like, that the very first episode of the Asylum season, like, yeah, that seems very, like, Cropsy-esque. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, um... He also went by the Pied Piper of Staten Island. I know that (laughs) when I watched the Cropsy documentary, I didn't know what it was. So, like, the beginning of it really does, and I know we're going to talk about him basically being um, a boogeyman of sorts. And I really Mm -hmm. did, as I started watching it, I was like, oh, my gosh, like, there's some weird stuff happening on Staten Island. Like, for just a split second, I'm like is there something supernatural happening there, happening there? Like what's right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Like just something really out there. So, um, yeah, this is definitely an interesting case. And if you guys want to watch Cropsy, it is available on voodoo for free. And I'm going to butcher this, but on tubby, (laughs) T U B I Tubi, I don't know, but it's available there for free to watch if you want to watch it. I mean, I'm never going to call it Tubi after this. <laughs> <laughs> nope, it, it's Tubby, like Teletubbies. <laughs> That's all I can think of. Okay, so Andre Rand's murders happened between 1972 and 1987 when he was arrested. His date of birth is March 11th, 1944. All of his victims were under the age of 13. He killed Jennifer Schweiger, 12 Alice Peria, five, Holly Hughes, seven, and Tyahees Jackson, ten. I always feel like I have to say this because it's like the known victims. Um, 
a believer that serial killers are sometimes so, this is kind of gross, but good at what they do that who knows? I feel like I always am like, is that really it though? Right, right. Which I only, and, and I don't say, is that really it to downplay those people that we know about, but to also like highlight that there could be others. And there probably is. You know, this is the story of a nightmare come to life. I mean, yeah. it really is. Once Cropsey was just an urban legend, the boogeyman of Staten Island in New York City, Cropsey was rumored to be a homicidal madman, an escaped mental patient with a hook for a hand who hunted children and dragged them back to the tunnel system that lay under the abandoned ruins of the old Seaview Hospital, a former tuberculosis sanitarium. Okay, I'm not trying to kill the vibe, but I totally, for some reason when you said hook for a hand, the only thing I could think of was Spongebob the hash slinging slasher. Really? <laughs> yeah, we're trying to get serious. Okay, sorry, I'm bringing it back. Slash <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So, parents used Cropsey to frighten their children into being good and staying near home. After all, Cropsey could be anywhere waiting to strike. Older siblings would tell Cropsey stories at night to terrify their younger brothers and sisters, and as if that wasn't enough, one summer camp, varia- one summer camp variation on the tale of Cropsey inspired a 1981 slasher movie, The Burning. Okay. This cult classic is surprisingly faithful to the tale the Staten Island Scouts once swapped over toasted marshmallows. It features a once respectable man named George Cropsey, who goes insane after a prank gone wrong, leaves him disfigured, and begins killing unsuspecting summer campers with an axe. Kind of sounds like a Jason knockoff. It totally does, and also... Well, never mind. I don't want to spoil anything that's going to come up. That's telling you what The Burning is about? Yeah. Okay, okay. Have you seen that one? I know that you're really big into, like, cult classics like that. Have you seen I know, that? No, that's, a, that's what I said whenever it was, like, all weird. But, no, The Burning, I've seen the majority of 80s slasher films. Yeah. And that's one that I hadn't even heard of. But then in the 80s, the children of Staten Island had even more reason to fear their local boogeyman. Cropsey had come to life in the form of an actual homicidal madman who really did hunt children. Soon, the urban legend would be unmasked as Andre Rand. Rand worked as a janitor at the Willowbrook State School in Staten Island, a place whose name alone has the power to frighten adults and children alike. This institution, built as a respite for children with intellectual disabilities, was revealed to be a living hell in the 70s, although authorities wouldn't close the school until 1987. Oh and which is crazy. Um, if you go on YouTube, um, oh my gosh, I can see his face. Ronaldo. 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 <laughs> Ronaldo Rivera. Was he one of the people that did that investigative journalism? He was the big one that did it. Uh, He's the one, and that's the, there's videos on YouTube about it. Of him um, investigating, like, the conditions of this place? Yeah, yeah. And that's what makes me think that, like, American Horror Story Asylum kind of took from this. It's because, too, it's too, it resembles this way too much. Right. Whenever, I mean, I worked in the intellectual disabilities ad, adult sect for almost 10 years. And... In our training, before we even started, they showed us those videos. Wow. And it was, you know, it just really, like, brought kind of a sense of, like, 
these are the people that we are here to help back yeah. whenever there was nobody advocating for them. Yeah, yeah. I remember seeing them in, I want to say, one of my psych classes. I think we were talking about, like, when they were shutting down the institutions for yeah, yeah. With mental yeah. health. Yeah, and I think that was one of them that they showed. I mean, there was um, somebody there that just had cerebral palsy. There was no actual intellectual disability at all. And then there was those with um, Down syndrome and all across the board. It's just a really sad situation. But that's where... And the the conditions were literally horrific. And the fact that Andre Rand worked there, (laughs) it makes me worry for those children too. And wonder, you know, we we said that he only had four girls, but who's to say that really is it with him working there in Willowbrook? I hadn't even thought of that, him working there. Wow. And especially this population with with dis- with intellectual disabilities and physical disabilities. Oh, yikes. Okay. And actually this next this next little bit that we're going to go into really makes me think like this guy could have been doing some really sick stuff that he did probably more than likely didn't even. Well, he didn't. Didn't get charged for. I mean, there's no way to prove oh. that he was a part of this, but yeah. The children there had been subjected to rampant sexual abuse and corporal punishment, and severe overcrowding led to unsanitary conditions. It was also home to what had been called one of the most unethical medical experiments on children in the United States. In the name of hepatitis research, medical staff intentionally injected healthy children with the virus, many of whom became severely ill as a result. So, oh, that's terrible. I did not know that part i didn't know about the medical i didn't either um it, that actually kind of reminds me have you ever heard of the tuskegee syphilis studies <laughs> um i had to, i had to read a book about this uh for one of my classes i think it was last year and i was really not wanting to read it i was very much like i, I do not want to read this book like this is stupid mm. it turned out to be one of the best books i've ever, I've ever read <laughs> it was awesome so um basically what happened was um so these researchers, very unethical, by the way, and was actually one of one of the studies that had led into like them developing ethics in research. And I'm sure some of this <laughs> that we're talking about today with Cropsey had a lot to do with it too, and the conditions at Willowbrook. Right. But the Tuskegee syphilis study was um, the researchers were white men that were doing studies on a group of of rural African American people. And basically, they had been diagnosed with syphilis. Well, rather than treating them with known treatment, they allowed the disease to progress. And if you know anything about syphilis, it will eventually, you develop psychotic symptoms. And it's it's just yeah. really bad how that disease progresses. And they just, in Tuskegee, allowed the disease to progress and didn't tell them that they had treatment, withheld treatment from them, and just let that happen. Wow. So really interesting because it reminds, like, it just made me think of that because, again, we're seeing the ethics or not not ethical behavior of these people. Right. What am I trying to say? 
(laughs) (laughs) This hepatitis study where they were, like, physically injecting these kids, nonetheless, um, with with hepatitis. That's crazy. And the public wasn't aware of the conditions inside the school, given that many of the children inside had sadly been abandoned by their parents and the foster care system, leading to little accountability. In 1972, a young Geraldo Rivera published an expose that revealed the horrific conditions inside the Willowbrook State School and ignited a national scandal. The school was officially closed 15 years later, and the negative publicity contributed to the successful passage of federal civil rights legislation that protects the mentally disabled and other people who have been institutionalized. Also, another thing is that Willowbrook was a school and was the conditions that, were like that at a school, quote unquote. Yeah. That same year, Andre Rand, former janitor of the School of Horrors, was arrested in connection with the disappearance of Jennifer Schweiger, a 12-year-old girl with Down syndrome. At the time, Rand was homeless and living in a makeshift makeshift campsite on the grounds of the abandoned school not far from the ruinous Seaview Hospital that was so closely tied to the Cropsey legend. Over a month after her disappearance, searchers found Jennifer's body in a shallow grave on the desolate school grounds where the drifter was living. Rand was charged with murder. So from what I understand, by that time, Rand had already had a long rap sheet of crimes against children specifically. So, in 1969, he was sentenced to 16 months in jail for the attempted sexual assault of a nine-year-old. Then again, in 1983, he went to jail after kidnapping a literal busful of children from the local YMCA and driving them to an airport. So, there wasn't enough physical evidence to charge him. (laughs) Yeah, so apparently he just kidnapped a busful of kids. (laughs) So, um, there wasn't enough physical evidence to charge him police had already suspected him and the disappearances of at least four other staten islanders going back to more than a decade which which we had previously mentioned so so alicia Pereira, who was five had disappeared in 1972 and holly ann hughes who was seven had disappeared in 1981 and was last spotted with rand on the day of her disappearance of course she was which i would like to know like who spotted her with Rand? I mean, is that eyewitness? Like, who knew she was there and was just like, eh, with the with the guys? Like, this, this is fine. fine. The local, this, this... a known local drifter. Like, this is. Yeah, we'll just, we'll let, just her let her hang out, out with that pedophile. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Eleven-year-old Taya Heath Jackson, who disappeared in 1983, and Hank Gaforia. Mm-hmm. And Hank Gaforio, a mentally disabled 22-year-old who was last seen with Rand at a diner in 1984. And to this day, none of those bodies have been found. The jury for Rand's case could not reach a verdict on the murder charge as there wasn't enough physical evidence of his direct involvement in Jennifer's death. But they did end up finding him guilty of kidnapping and had stuck him with a pretty, I, I think, heavy sentence for kidnapping. Um... He had gotten 25 years in prison. I know that. Yeah, the- yeah that's that's pretty stiff for just kidnapping. I mean, for, for just kidnapping. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Compared to everything else that he had done, though, I mean. Well, there was that local case with our our cousin that was technically kidnapping, and he had only got what three years? Oh, oh not even. Yeah, not even. Not even. 
So, I mean, 20, eh, 25 years is not, not a bad sentence for that, I suppose. <laughs> um, Rand would have been eligible for parole in 2008, but in 2004, new evidence came to light linking him to the disappearance of Holly Ann Hughes. A fellow inmate had took note conversations that he had had with Rand in which the latter described in detail his abduction of Holly. Rand was convicted on a second kidnapping charge and given another 25-year sentence. I can't believe that they're happening to, like, go around this and keep yeah. giving him, like, really high kidnapping charges. Like, because they know he's a POS, but they're, like... <laughs> so, he got stuck with another 25-year sentence and will not be eligible for parole until 2037. That's kind of scary. It is. That's it, 17 it, years from now. It is scary. However, on the upside, he'll be 93. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> hopefully at 93, he can't do too much damage. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think we're okay. <laughs> I like my odds. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and we're outside of his age range, too. So True. I mean, <laughs> True. So Rand's story and that of Cropsey continues to fascinate and horrify tri-state residents to this day. He employed various pseudonyms to cover his movements and criminal activities through the years. He, in 66 and 68, he was using the name Bruschetti as he worked as a physical therapy aide at New York's Willowbrooks oh. State School. Okay, that grosses me out. That he was physical therapy. therapy aide. And that's where it gets crazy with, like, your different sources and stuff because in a source I found earlier... He was a janitor, janitor. and now he's a physical therapy aide. Quite a jump there, yeah. Yeah, so it's hard to tell what's legit and what's not. I mean, I'm kind of hoping that he wasn't a physical therapy aide because that's gross. Yeah, that's... I mean... Okay. Yeah. (laughs) On May 5th, 1969, he was arrested in South Bronx for kidnapping and attempting to rape a nine-year-old girl. Pleading guilty to a lesser charge of sexual abuse, he served 16 months in prison, winning parole in January 72. Back on the street, he legally changed his name to Rand, logging three more arrests by the end of the decade for minor offenses, including burglary. Along the way, his name was linked with disappearances of several children. He was working as a painter at a South Beach, Staten Island apartment home when five-year-old Alice Pereira vanished from one of the flats in 1972 but officers were short on solid evidence required for an indictment. Nine years later, Rand was hauled in for questioning and the disappearance of seven-year-old Holly Hughes from Port Richmond, and once more, he was released for lack of evidence. That's so frustrating because, like, so frustrating because you have a repeat offender here, like, very obvious, very clearly. Yeah, like, he needed those 25-year sentences bef- a while before the 80s. Yeah. On January 9th, 1983, Rand collected 11 children from West Brighton, loaded them into a van, and set off on a five-hour jaunt into Newark, neglecting to ask parental permission. Yeah, I'm so interested. Like, I don't understand how he got a bus full of kids. I don't understand. And so... They, they he, spent the day eating hamburgers and watching planes land at the Newark airport. And, <laughs> and like, just, just hanging out with the kids. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And, like, how, I don't understand. Like, someone 
someone obviously must have reported that he had them and at least yeah. they yeah. had oh, yeah. at least they got him before that story could have escalated yeah he was arrested on charges of unlawful imprisonment and he was but he was back on the street by august listed as a suspect when 10-year-old Thais Jackson vanished on Staten Island. No trace of the three missing girls has been found by July 9, 1987, when 12-year-old Jennifer Swigers disappeared from her home at Westerly. A victim of Down syndrome, Jennifer was traced to the grounds of the deserted, deserted Staten Island Development Center, where Rand had been living for several years in a makeshift shelter of his own design. So has he, like, has he been a drifter this whole time? Like, has he just been... I, I, I think so. I think it's been kind of like an in and out. Just doing that drifter yeah. lifestyle. Yeah. He had been living at the Staten Island Development Center for several years, and witnesses had reported seeing Rand with Jennifer the day she disappeared. Swiger's body was unearthed from a shallow grave within sight of Rand's lean-to, and a charge of murder in the first degree was added to his file. And a quote from Rand was... You know, me and Ted Bundy are alike in many ways. We both used Volkswagens. Bundy's thing was women. My thing is kids. Do you think the police could figure that out? Oh. This was uh, Andre Rand when conversation with inmates. <laughs> oh. As America agonizes over a wave of horrific child abductions and murders that summer, prosecutors were targeting a Staten Island deviant suspected of killing at least four young girls and two women. I'm kind of surprised that he could admit to his, like, saying that his thing was, was or Ted Bundy's thing was women and his was kids. And kids, somebody yeah. not, like, kill him. <laughs> so some information that had come out of the Auburn Correctional Facility from officers and inmates were that he had actually said, um, that Rand had actually said, kids entice me. And um, he often compared himself to Ted Bundy. And had actually asked another inmate who was looking at a pornographic <sighs> book, how could I get a book like that with kids? Which I'm literally not sure how he survived. No. Yeah, how did he survive prison? <laughs> like, he had to be in, like, severe lockdown. Like, he... Or, it, how, no, or I should say, how is he surviving prison? Because he's still in there. Yeah. <laughs> so, Andre Rand is, at this point, 76 years old. In an affidavit filed with the court protesting press coverage of his arrest, Rand wrote on his own behalf in meticulous and flowery handwriting that he has been a victim of a slanderous scapegoat article resurrecting so-called notoriety, thus encouraging hostility against the plaintiff, him, focusing and arousing public attention toward the plaintiff from so-called missing persons old cases. <laughs> and in a jailhouse interview with the news in 87, Rand said he had never even met Jennifer Swiger, but he changed his story at trial only after his defense lawyer learned that there were several witnesses who saw Rand with his bicycle leading the trusting little girl with Down syndrome by the hand away from her house towards the woods at Willowbrook. I did think of something, though, actually, after you had just said that, um, when it said that several witnesses saw Rand, I mean, maybe they didn't know, and they were like, oh, that guy works there, but I just, but he doesn't really work there anymore, though. I mean, it, 
I don't know. That's suspicious. If that many people saw him walking a little girl with a bicycle, and he's living that drifter life, so I'm sure he has that drifter look. I don't know. Right. He's just... And Andre Rand is an enigma. I mean, he is your cut-and-dry, you know, pedophile, rapist, serial killer. But how is he still alive whenever they normally perish in prison... Yeah, and it, so oh, it seems really open about it. Like, hey, uh, uh, yeah, like, oh, like he, oh, like he a porn the majority of them the try to deny it. it. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, where can I get one of those with kids? Oh, uh, no, no, that's that's not okay. I'm surprised that he survived this long in prison, actually. Right, me too. Like, I just don't get where uh, <laughs> how he was able to, you know. So Cropsey really became, you know, Andre Rand really became Cropsey and the Staunton Island boogeyman because kids were disappearing. So it really did become, like, he became not really an icon, but kind of like a, like a figure and not in a good way. Right, right. I don't know, it's just, (laughs) he definitely was the boogeyman. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm looking at pictures of him. (laughs) <laughs> I always have to see what they look like. Yeah. Aww. Yeah, I was just I was just looking into the film's, you know, wiki page and it says that it actually came out in 2009. Okay. So, Cropsey, which is the name of the documentary, came out in 2009 and it initially begins as an examination of like actual Cropsey, the boogeyman from the urban legend before it segs into the story of of Rand. That's so sad. Like I'm looking at images of Jennifer Schweiger and Are you trying to make yourself cry, man? (laughs) It's awful. She's so cute. And Alice Oh, there is a 1982 horror film based on the urban legend of Cropsey called Madman. Madman, that sounds funny. I haven't seen that one either. But uh, looking at pictures of Willowbrook is really interesting, too. Oh, it's sad. <laughs> like, it, um, on YouTube, there's a few different ones. If you look at um, Willowbrook, The Last Disgrace. What? Some of these images are just... Yeah, whenever this episode goes live, I will put some of these images in a carousel for you guys to see so you can see what we're talking about. But I think that's where we're going to end with our journey with Andre Rand, guys. So make sure you hop it over to Instagram so you can see that carousel of images. Our tag is at Coffee Books and True Crime. And make sure that you guys rate us over on Apple Podcasts. And we will talk to you guys soon. I'm Nicole. And I'm Amanda. And we'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. This is Coffee Books and True Crime.